Amen. Aren't you glad Jesus loves you? And I'm glad for this book. I'm getting lots of material. So thankful that he loves us. What a, what a, what a great thing that we can base our life on. And that's where we kind of have to start everything. Realizing how much he loves us. So we've talked about different things. You're not what you have. You're not what you do. And different areas of this. Tonight, we're going to keep on this same idea. And I want to tell you, you're not what others say about you. You're what Jesus says about you. And he says you're loved and you belong. Elbert Hubbard, he was a, an American writer and an artist, a publisher way back in the late 1800s. He wrote this little blurb, and I thought I'd read it to you. To avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. I think we kind of talked about that last time to all of the uh, perfectionists. If you don't want to make a mistake, do nothing. That's the only way you can do that in the same way with this. If you don't want any criticism, if you don't want anybody to say anything negative about you, whatever you do, don't do anything. And then you're safe from that. And we understand that's not going to work. That's not what we're called to do. Have you ever thought of the power of words or the power of a word? And, and, and again, as soon as I say that, well, our mind goes to the scripture that says, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we get that. And that, yes, that's absolutely the word of God. And I believe that. But take a moment, take a moment, do this exercise with me. Take a moment and look around. Look up. Look down. Look around you. Everything that exists is because somebody said something. Pastor Dugas was going down the interstate and said, that'd make a nice church. And here we are. Somebody said, we need to remodel the platform. And here we are. Somebody said, there's got to be a way to amplify a voice so everybody can hear it. And here we have the PA system. Somebody said, if something was cushioned, we'd probably be able to sit in church longer. And so we have <laughs> cushioned chairs. On and on and on. Somebody said, build it, make it, attack it. Somebody said something. The greatest of speeches we know. Uh, all the power in the universe originated with God saying, let there be. A word was spoken. God said those words. The words you hear change your life. Now watch this. Don't mess this up. The words you hear absolutely change other people's lives, but I want you to hear what I'm going to say in this sentence. The words you hear change your life. The words you say change your life. Change the lives of others, absolutely. We get that, but they change your life also. It's really just a simple concept that sometimes we, we forget about. With words we bless with words we curse. You, you remember in the Bible, this story fascinates me, where King Balak of, of Moab, he paid the diviner Balaam, and he said, I want you to go out there and speak a curse over those Hebrew people. 
and God stopped him. God would not allow, and God intervened, it would not allow Balaam to speak a curse over those people. Have you ever thought about that? What in the world does that even mean? Why would God stop that? Some guy just saying, I speak a curse over these people. Apparently, in some way, Balaam had some power with his words. Man, I wish I had a dilly bar from Dairy Queen. It didn't work. Maybe I don't have that kind of power with my words or whatever. We don't, can't do magic tricks. But that story fascinates me where God blocked him from, from saying a curse because obviously something, maybe it would have happened because of that. And so there was some sort of a power he had with his words. All of this to simply say, it's a big deal when someone, anyone says something about you or over you. Complete strangers can say something awful to you. You don't know those people. You don't respect those people and you probably don't like those people. But you still give them a place in your memory of something they said to you. Just words. There's no relationship. They didn't punch you in the head. They said something. And if I start and take the microphone, all right, once everybody stand up, say one thing a stranger said to you that just really resonated you with you. The whole bit, we'd be full. Take off the rest of the time, everybody explaining what one stranger said. Why? We're still giving them room in our mind. Why? They were words. But we still remember them, the power of that. What we need to do, and we so often fail at this, is stop believing and embracing the words of everybody else and embrace the words of what our loving Heavenly Father speaks over us. No word is more powerful than His. His word is final and His word is good. But we are so often inclined to listen and believe so many other words that contradict his word. We, we, we buy into what other, everybody else says about us, even if it's in contradiction to the word of God. Who has more power? Did anybody that you are aware of ever said, let there be light, and there was light? Do you know of anybody who has ever said, uh, see, you can ocean, you can come this far, that's it, you're not coming any farther. Do you know anybody who can do that? Yet we trust their word and not the word that said, you belong to me. I love you. So your identity many times is likely constructed by the words you've heard your entire life. All of us have heard discouraging words from family or from friends or from enemies or even from teachers or, or magazines or media or book that reinforced views of ourselves. And most often that message was and is things about you not being enough. You're not thin enough. You're not smart enough. You're not rich enough. You're not lucky enough. You're not wanted enough. You don't have a good enough house. You don't drive a good enough car. Everything about you is you're just not enough. 
driven by greed and by marketing. We've got to drive this stuff to tell you if you would only do this, then somehow, somebody, some way, you may be lucky enough for them to like you. And this is just combated and this is just driven down and this is just put into our, into our minds the mocking and insulting or judgmental words that can cause our already fragile souls to become so brittle when someone says something offensive. It can feel like somebody just backhands you. It can be that final blow. But if someone says something kind... It may make you feel good, but how many people think they're making it up? Have you ever met, (laughs) have you ever met super, super, super kind people? Your first impression of them, for the most part, Is there a fake? Because they're so kind and jittery and, oh, you look wonderful. Everything about you is wonderful. And you're just like, you liar. Where's that coming from? Many times you've met people and then as you get to know them, they're the same all the time. They're just kind people. But at first, that little first thing about them is like, yeah, I'm not believing that. I'm not buying into that. But if someone criticizes us, we latch on. Yeah, yeah. That hurt. Yeah, they're probably right. And we buy into that. It's marvelous singing your song. Well, it was all right, but I kind of went flat a couple times. Boy, you did all right. I've heard you better, though. No, I'm I'm not ever singing again in this church. You, are you following me? That's how this goes. That's how this happens. Throughout life, you'll hear both the negative and the positive words said about you. Every word you hear will likely affect you in some way. You can choose. Do you hear me? You can choose which words you're going to believe. Belief is called faith. Faith is a thing that gives words power. You can have faith in the word of God and what he says about you, the almighty fixed word of God and the authority in his word, or you can have faith in what everybody else says about you. I say tonight, let's have faith in what God says about us. Let's put our faith there. You're not what others say about you. You are what God says about you. You are loved. You belong. You are his. You're bought with a price. So don't meditate on the negative stuff. And don't meditate on what people have said to you in the past. Because often our spiritual batteries, they're just, they're empty because we're just constantly dwelling on what everybody else has ever said about us. Whether it's good or bad. Because, because watch this. There are times when others say something great about us. We love love that feeling, but if we're not careful, here comes the balance. If we're not careful, then we're constantly looking to please everybody else so that we get that, that another like on Facebook. 
and we're people pleasing. Again, what I'm saying, so nobody say anything to anybody. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is we've got to be careful that if somebody compliments or says something nice, wonderful, but I'm not doing it for their praise or glory. Give honor to whom honors do we get that, but I'm doing it according to what I think the word of God and what the word of God says about me and I do as unto the Lord. That's how our lives should be lived. Then if someone says negative, it doesn't, it doesn't destroy me. And if someone says positive, thank you, but it doesn't make me. Well, I'm going to have to do that again because I've got to please people. So this is one area that many times it makes Christianity different or at least should from other things. But watch this. Hear, hear me. I'm going to probably have to read this twice to, to get this. Most, many times all, all faiths at large would say, do good and you'll be good, then when you're good, you'll belong, keep being good, and you'll keep belonging. Whatever you do, don't bring shame to your faith. Okay, on the surface, well, I, yeah, we talk about, the Lord's gonna say, well done, thou good. And faithful servant, we, we're called to be good. We're called to be, but notice something about this. Do good, yes, and you'll be good. But then you were, when you're good, you'll belong. When you get to be like us, then we'll accept you. When you are more like us and don't embarrass us, then we're okay with you. Here's the difference, I hope, with this church and those filled with the Spirit. You belong not because of your reputation or your good works, but simply because Jesus died for you and bought you with a price, period. He loves you. He'll change you to be more like him, absolutely. But most big religions have a similar goal to Christianity, and that's just simply constantly just be good and all of that. That's all good, but that's not the motive we drive for. Here's the motive we drive for. I want to be like him. Why? Because he loves me. That's what will be, that's the difference in this. It's his grace that has saved me in spite of my imperfections and despite the fact that I may not have accomplished much. God still loves me and he still thinks I'm important. Remember when Jesus was baptized and the, the heavens opened and, it, and the voice of the eternal God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus went into the desert to be tested right after that. And in every case when Satan said, well, eat this bread and turn these to bread and jump off of here and bow down here. Every time, what did Jesus combat it with? He combated it with the word of God. Not what Mary said about him. Not what friends said about him. Not with what he thought about himself. He responded with the word of God. So when I'm feeling different ways or somebody's criticizing me or somebody's saying this against me or somebody's hurting my feelings, I don't combat it with, oh yeah, bring it on, bring it on. I don't combat it like that. How I should combat it is said, 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That's what I should respond with. He loves me. And if you believe that, 
you'll be able to have power to withstand all types of trials and temptations and problems that come your way. And living that life that pleases God is much better than living a life that pleases people. People pleasing, it exhausts you. It wears you down. Doing your best to always make sure everyone else is happy at your own expense. Really, if you really want to delve into that, into the mental health field, that is not healthy at all. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that to make sure everybody's fine. Make sure everybody's healthy. Make sure everybody's happy. Make sure everybody's all that. I promise you as your pastor, and if you claim me as your pastor, I'm going to go to bed and sleep at night. What if I have an emergency in the middle of the night? You better only not have very many. I'm not being mean, but you understand there is a thing that I cannot. I said this before one time. If, you know, if people please, and well, I'll tell you what I'm going to please everybody. I'm going to come mow everybody's yard. No, I'm not. I'll bear burdens when necessary. If you can't get your yard mowed, you let us know. We'll get somebody there or I'll come to it. We'll make sure your yard's mowed. I get all of that. But folks, to, the motive is different. If it's to please you so you like me, then we're going to wear ourselves out. We cannot do it that way. So living this life that pleases God is just so much better because of his love. And if we don't, we can, we, this wonderful word that I love is you'll allow people to violate your boundaries because I've got to please them. Well, what if they don't like me? <laughs> Folks, if it takes everybody doing something for you for them to like you, then they're using you. Let me just break it to you. We have to like you because we like you. Not what you can do, not how you, how you do certain things, not what you can give to me, but because I like you. That's the bottom line. The same way within, with ourselves. Jesus loves me. I'm, I'm here to say again, that's the bottom line of everything. And once that is established, then absolutely I can help others. Then absolutely I can be good. Then I'm, but I'm coming about this at a completely different angle and for a completely different reason. Because often at the heart of this behavior of people pleasing and making sure everybody's happy all around us is the fear of what will people think or say about you. If you don't want criticized, don't do anything. Man, you're turning everybody mean in this church. I'm not turning anybody mean, I hope. But I hope we're very kind I hope we're very gentle. I hope we bear the fruit of the Spirit. Absolutely all that. But I hope we're always doing it for the right reason. Because we're going to get to, to this in a minute about this whole idea of pushing boundaries and, and not upsetting people. And, and when that happens, we get ourselves in trouble. And not being rude, not being offensive. But, but I don't know if this will help, but let, let me just, let me give you permission since I have the mic and somebody can, else could do it if they were here. I give you permission to be you. We don't need me. We don't need another him or her. We need you. God made you in his image. 
That's who we need. That's what he needed on this earth. That's why it's fitly framed together, the body of Christ. The sanctuary will not work properly. We can function, but it will not work properly without you. You belong. You're part of the body of Christ. And this all comes back to, I'm okay because he says I'm okay. I'm made in his image. He loves me. When we think of how much God thinks about us and how much he loves us, instead of how people think about us, then we can find that perfect balance between serving and loving people while still maintaining our principles and boundaries. I, I, and again, I may clear the choir out and all upstairs and the whole guest care. I hope the reason you serve in those areas is because you love the kingdom. I hope you have never in this church felt coerced to do something. Because then you're coming about it at the wrong way. I just felt so guilty for not doing that. I, well, I can't control your feelings, but please don't. Because there's a difference here where we can find, will people serve? Absolutely. But they'll serve from a heart of love. Will people give? Absolutely. But they'll give because they know they want to further the kingdom of God. They'll, they'll do certain things because of the love that is resonant inside of them. Because we're doing it for a different reason. It's not out of, I want them to like me. Or I want this to, to notice me. Or I want my name up in lights. Or I want to be uh, cheered from the congregation. And again, again, let me throw in, give honor to whom honors do. We get that. But why are we doing certain things? We're doing it because we have the love of God in our hearts. And we truly care about people, about missions, about things of God is the reason it should come from that. And if we all calm down and sit real still and think for a minute, that's sometimes a tough place to get to. Because we constantly have these things coming in our heads all the time. You should be more, you should do better, you should do this. You should do that. Luke 6, 26 says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. Is this a misprint? Woe unto you. In other words, be, be careful. Woe unto you. When everybody speaks well of you, isn't that what we're aiming for? Isn't that what we're wanting? Everybody to speak well of us? Luke goes on to say, because that's exactly what they did, their, 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 the, the, your fathers did to the false prophets. I've told you before, I, I've been trained enough. We could have beautiful group therapy and you wouldn't even know I'm doing it all up in here, every sermon. And when you laugh, to be like, hmm. I'm a winner. Mm. And I hope you feel that. I hope you don't get everybody depressed. You leave here. And then everybody, oh boy, 
come to our church. When you leave, you just feel like a million bucks. Well, I hope it's because the Holy Ghost touched you and changed your life and he's given you abundance. I hope that's the reason and not because I'm tickling your ears. Because woe to everybody, woe to you if everybody, all men, say you, oh man, oh man, that's wonderful. Luke 6, 22, blessed are ye. Is this a typo? When men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, you're not my friend anymore, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil, throw you under the bus. They're doing that because you're a mean, no, they're doing that, and when they do all that, for the Son of Man's sake, for Jesus' sake, 623, what's our reply? You pray down to hellfire and brimstone and you drag them in here and you anoint them with oil. You do all that, no. Bible says when that happens, come to church on Sunday and do a jig. What? Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. <laughs> These are hard verses. People don't like you, people hate you, people slandering you, throwing your name under the bus, lying about you, and when you come to church, yeah! I mean, that's as wacky as the disciples when they beat them, they're like, oh, we go to church rejoicing because we were worthy to be beaten. What is wrong with you people? How far have we gone from what the word says to make sure everybody likes me? to make sure we don't say anything in a church that may offend in any way whatsoever. How far have we gone? Because the Bible's telling me that for his namesake, there's some lines drawn in the sand and when that happens, you're not gonna be in everybody's friend group. When that happens, there's going to be people snickering and laughing at you. When that happens, there's going to be some people slandering you and, and mad at you. When that happens, they're going to do all kinds of things against you. But rejoice, for 23 says, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. If I'm living my life in the kingdom of God... I will be at odds with society. Well, I thought we're supposed to love everybody. Has nothing to do with loving everybody. We're supposed to love everybody. Will I be at odds with society? Yes. And so if I don't start this with I am a child of God, purchased by his blood, loved by him, I belong, and he has covered me with his blood and sheltered me and protected me and helps me. If it does not start there, then I don't want anybody in the world mad or offended or upset because I got to please everybody because I'm not sure who I am and I've lost my identity. So let's put it plainly. There'll be people 
who hate your guts. Do you know what the Bible says? That's not just okay. That's more than okay. Because there's a reward in heaven for that. Can we talk about something else? These are the tough scriptures. Because my flesh, I don't want people to dislike me. If I'm, they're disliking me because I'm acting like an idiot. Well, I get that. But if they dislike me because I say, Scripture tells us, without the Spirit, you're none of His. Don't be so judgmental. Scripture says, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're a liar. And every time you do, well, that's old time preaching. No, that's Bible. I hope we never get away from that. Whether somebody likes that or not, we've got to preach the word. And if we're scared of who we are, and again, I'm not saying be offensive for the sake of being offensive and being just being, because the Bible does tell us something else. It says, uh, it says um, speak the truth, but adds a little caveat, but you better do it in love. Not speak the truth because I'm anger and anger and I'm controlling and all that. No, don't speak the truth like that. Speak the truth because I love you too much to leave you where you are. I was thinking, looking over this list, I remember Skyler, just, I don't know, a year or so ago, he, was, he did something or he put something on or whatever, and I just kind of looked at him. He looked, what? And I said, okay. I said, I'm going to hurt your feelings. What? And I told him, I don't know, something he had on. I said, you can't wear that. Why? Because I'm mean, I'm terrible, horrible, vicious. No, because he looked like... <clears throat> and he said... Okay, let me back this up. <clears throat> Why do you think when I said that to him, he kind of looked at me, and when I told him the truth, he said, okay. Because there was much more relationship behind that one statement So if I'm going to get in somebody's face or do something or you're going to get into somebody or say something, there has got to be a relationship. Because rules, they always say, if we want to call stuff rules, without relationship will always breed rebellion. <clears throat> I don't have time just kick off into family for a second. The thing is, I've watched this happen in, in, in families where a, a dad, he just has absolutely zero relationship with his kids and ha doesn't, and then when, but when he comes in the house, he's king of the mansion, he's large and in charge. I said, get to bed now. Well, okay, they'll get to bed because they're scared of you, but they're leaving the house as soon as they can't get away from you. Why? Because the rules you've put into place 
You have no relationship. Wow. As Pastor Duke said, I'm meddling. I'll get back on my notes here. Reputation management, again, just drains us where everybody has to like, and I'm trying to do all this. You can't write what you want. You can't paint what you want. You can't sing what you want. You can't do what you want. You can't uh, work where you want, anything like that. When I'm constantly trying to manage what everybody thinks of me and, and guarantee that they'll, they'll, they'll like me, if that's the case, I'm going to guarantee two things. I'm going to be exhausted and uncreative. Because I'm trying to manage all of this stuff of what a life pleasing to God is what we're aiming for. And that is a life of freedom. Yes, be as kind and loving as possible, but don't feel like you have to placate everyone. Forget about that and stand back on the word that says Jesus loves me and I'm going to follow him. Because as you grow to be more like Jesus, many people there will be that will admire that in you and want to learn from you, and others will dislike and hate you over it. The more you're like Jesus, the more polarizing you're going to become with people around you. That's the way it happens. So you understand what I'm trying to get at here. If I don't rest in the fact that I belong to him and I'm okay with that and my security is in him and my identity is found in him, if I'm not okay with that, then I'm looking for that in everybody else around me. And when that happens, it causes trouble because I'm either trying to placate everybody or I'm trying to do something to get you on my team and I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. If you don't have any critics you're not doing anything different than the rest of the world. Duck somebody. If you don't have any critics, you're just like everybody else in the world. You'll find freedom in saying no and living differently from those that are not following Jesus Christ. Dealing with an onslaught of criticism I get that is taxing but really can we say that it's training that criticism that comes especially the fake stuff is training because if I want to do the big things for God I would have a lot of critics are you trying to make them are you trying to you know should we have a instead of a thumbs up on Facebook should we have you know like a I hate you on Facebook what should we have Man, I posted that and got 14, I hate you. <laughs> I'm shouting in church on Sunday. No, I don't, it depends on what you posted, folks. But changing the world is hard because there's a lot of people who like it just how it is. Don't change stuff, we're comfortable. But putting your faith in the voice of God and not the chaotic, not the hysterical, not the critical words of society is so vitally important. Are we not salt and light? That makes a difference. Then you'll stand out. You'll be noticed. And hopefully for his name's sake. And it won't be for your glory. But for the kingdom. Yes, there'll be people who love you. We love you talked about that. But other times there'll be people who hate you. They're even worse. Some people's going to lie about you. They're going to gossip about you. Just here's what you do with that. Let it go. Easier said than done. Oh, you better believe it's easier said than done. But it's not what they say about me makes me who I am. It's what he says about me. It's the difference we've got to understand. 
There are times when your friends and loved ones. Okay, I got eight minutes and we got a whole thing here. Let me finish this up. I'll try my best. There are times when friends and loved ones will legitimately criticize you. And this, again, is where you very much have to be rooted in your identity. Not so you can ignore what they're saying, but so that you can hear what they're saying without getting bent out of shape. When I do marriage retreats, I have an entire lesson on this whole idea of criticizing your spouse. I mean, when I say it, people are up and on, we're leaving, I hate, you know, this is ridiculous. But you have to understand when you talk about criticizing or being critical, or I'm sorry, but when you're talking about criticizing something, you can talk about it in the term of being critical or you talk about it in the term of critiquing something. You can't get better unless somebody tells you what you're doing wrong. They better not ever tell me what I'm doing. Well, then you'll never get better, will you? But if I'm rooted and my identity is not what I do or what I have or what they say, then when somebody critiques, you can handle it. Does not the Bible say armor or, or, or iron sharpeneth iron? Everybody has rough spaces. Everybody has rough places that need knocked off. And one of the greatest gifts our friends can give us is to challenge and critique us while still loving us because they're helping us. You know, you've met these people who are God-ordained, who, who are God, obviously God's chosen and God-ordained to critique everything in the world. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who have a long history with you, people that you know love you, people who can talk to you and you realize they have my best interest at heart. I would hope, and I watch myself preaching for the reason of trying to catch bad habits, but I would hope if in my preaching, every third word is, and uh, the word of the Lord, and I uh, said unto thee, and I sound like an auctioneer up here. I hope, I hope Janelle or somebody in this building loves me enough to say you need to fix that habit because it's hard to hear you speak. I'm hating this Bible lesson tonight, hating it. The deal about this is though, is because if somebody's trying to help me, is trying to help you, let them help you. But I can't let them help me if everything everybody says slaps me down and hurts my feelings and I get all offended and I don't know who I am and I, I quit, fine, you don't like my preaching, I quit. We've got to find our identity in something stronger and something deeper. Proverbs 9, 8, reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. But then it says, rebuke a wise man, he'll love you for it. Tell him what's wrong and he'll, he'll appreciate that. And verse 9, give instruction to a wise man, he'll be yet wiser. Teach a just man 
and he'll increase in learning. Ecclesiastes 7 and 5, it's, it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the songs of fools. People can be mean-spirited, yes. They can be unfair in their criticism, absolutely. Often it's petty gossip, it's lies, it's drudging up things in your past. But the Bible tells us that even in those cases, that's not who I am. And it says with those cases, I can still love my enemies. I can still pray for them who despitefully use me. How can I do that? Because I'm not what they say I am. Because that does not identify me. I can love them because they're made in the image of God. Victor Frankl, you've heard the name, the Holocaust survivor. He once said, the one thing, the one thing you can't take away from me is the way I choose to respond to what you do to me. He said, that revelation saved my life. You can mock me, destroy me, take everything from me, but you cannot get in my head and make me choose a certain thing. I can choose how I respond to everything around me. So loving your enemies is one of the greatest ways you can prove that you trust God with your entire life. And that's hard. It's a hard lesson tonight because I, I, words matter. I started with the whole thing. Words absolutely matter. And words are important. And when someone criticizes me, well, I've got to weigh this out. Are they, is there any truth in that? I've got to think about this. Are they an enemy? Are they trying to hurt me? I, I don't have to. I can pray for them and love them. And still, I'm based in the word of God. But are they trying to help me? Is it somebody critiquing something that's trying to give me some words of wisdom? And I, well, I'm not going to hear that. Or No, I need to still be grounded in the word of God and in what, who I am in him. And then I can hear what they're having to say. So many things we look at in life things around us and what people say about us we got to abandon the notion that anyone has any idea who you truly truly are you know but even that gets tricky because the Bible says your heart is deceitfully wicked God knows your heart so let me say it like this as we, I'm out of time. We could go on, but I'm out of time. Live every day in God's word because his word says you belong. You are loved. He bought you with a price. No matter how much you've got beat up, no matter who said what to you and what lies you have believed all of your life, put those aside and rest in the fact that Jesus loves you. What freedom, what liberty that will come from that when I rest in that and that is where my identity comes from. Let's stand in the house. Last statement before we pray. When you begin to deal with that and recognize that, truly believe in Jesus loves you, you'll find the freedom to do what you're supposed to do. And no matter how crazy it seems to be, you'll be able to reach your destination because he's called you. He believes in you and he loves you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. 
Thank you, Lord, that you just don't say that you loved us, but you walked this earth and took our place and died on Calvary. Jesus, I know I've heard from a little kid on up that if I was the only person, you would have died for me. And I, I, I truly believe that. That is how much you love me, Jesus. You spilled your blood for me and paid my debt that I couldn't pay, a debt you didn't know, but you still took my place. And I am so thankful for that. Lord, in the days, weeks, months, years, the things ahead, or even in the past, the, the voices that have spoken, that have just told things that are a lie, Lord, help me to wrestle those down in my mind and depend completely and solely on you and stand firm on your word that says you love me and I belong to you. Let me start there, Lord, with the freedom to be able to hear words of others, to be able to love my enemies, to be able to hear the words of wisdom that someone may give to me that won't, that won't throw me for a loop in any way, but that will cause me to be more like you because based on the fact that you love me. Help us to get this in our heart, our mind, our spirit, I pray. Bless each one. Help us to have a wonderful evening in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.